Welcome to the Lift Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is the greatest lift in life. We are so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe that God will give you a lift of encouragement through this message. The scripture we're always going to come back to in this series is Luke chapter 2. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great job promotions for all my people. That's not what it says. In Luke chapter 2, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause your children to act exactly the way you want them for all people. That's not what it says. In Luke chapter 2, it says, But the angel said to them, I bring good news that will bring great joy to all people. Come on, we're going to preach about joy this morning. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this day. God, thank you, God, that you chose us to be here. And God, this morning we choose joy. Thank you, God. Hell lost another one. We are free. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, I'm going to hop right into it. Pastor Drew preached a great message last week about how four, four ways that praise can bring joy. Four ways praise can bring joy. And I encourage you, go back and listen to that. Um, and, you know, I think that's evident by this morning with our praise. Come on, the worship team, killing it up here. But this is what I love even more is that's who they are as people. Because their praise doesn't stop when they leave the stage, right? You, you interact with Shelton on a daily basis, you're going you're gonna to see the joy. And Mary and, and, and Erica and Jennifer and, and the whole worship team. I mean, if you just interact with them, like you, the joy comes from them, right? Because the praise is developing that in them, right? The four ways that, that praise can bring joy. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. But this morning, I want to go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and it's going to be a familiar scripture to some of you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And it says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me ask you a question. Who produces the fruit? I'm going to ask it again. Who produces the fruit? The Holy Spirit, right? But here's the problem that some of us we want the fruit without knowing the source. Y'all didn't know I was going to get started so early. <laughs> right? We want to have all the fruit, but we don't want to know the source. The Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit inside of us. And this much is evident, evident in that scripture. That the presence of Jesus should produce real, tangible fruit in our life. The presence of Jesus should produce real, tangible fruit, real, tangible results, real, tangible things in our lives. So let me give you an example from Scripture. In, in Luke chapter 8, it says that Jesus is, is going across a body of water with his disciples, right? We, we've heard the story, and a, and a big storm comes and threatens to tip the boat over. They're going to drown. They're going to they're gonna die. And the disciples are freaking out. And then they're like, where in the world is Jesus? And Jesus is doing what? He's sleeping. What? Have you have y'all ever been out on a boat and it gets a little rocky? Right? I'm not sleeping. <laughs> I'm holding on for dear life. Right? But this is what happens when they go to Jesus. Jesus brings peace. He says, peace be still. And the waves calm, the winds stop. The presence of Jesus created tangible results. And it was peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. 
And I get asked a lot, you know, as a pastor, just as a, as a person, as a friend, about the, the political climate of, of our nation. And what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And you know what my, my response is? I think it's there, and I think God's in control. I think it's there. I know it's there. I'm not oblivious to it, but God's in control. And so when I am surrounded by what seems like hopeless chaos, when I'm surrounded by things that I don't have control over, I can have peace because the Holy Spirit is in me producing something that is, I am incapable of doing, right? That's the fruit of the Spirit. And when I witness and I hear about and I, and I read about a horrific act of violence with no other reason besides hate and racism, there's, there's hate, there's, there's anger there, and there's outrage there, and there's hurt there, and understanding that my hurt, my outrage, my pain in seeing this situation probably doesn't compare to my black brothers and sisters that are watching this. And there's pain, and there's outrage, and there's hurt. But the Holy Spirit is producing something in me that is different, that I'm incapable of, and that's peace. The fruit of the Spirit, the presence of Jesus in my life produces peace. And there's another fruit of the Spirit that I think is powerful, and that's the whole reason why, what we're preaching this morning, and that is joy. For the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I forgot one in there. Joy. Finish this sentence. For the joy of the Lord is my For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Right? Joy produces strength. She said, what is he talking about? Right? Where does my, my strength come from? My strength comes from joy. Listen to what it says in John chapter 15. It says, this is Jesus talking. He said, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Your joy will overflow. Jesus is saying he wants you to be filled with his joy. Not just filled, but he wants it to overflow. But here's the thing. This is what I feel like the Lord is saying this morning. That's what he spoke to me as I'm preparing this about my own life is that we are looking for joy in all the wrong places, so instead we're settling for happiness. We're looking for joy in all the wrong places, so instead we're settling for happiness. Let's get one thing straight. Joy is not the same thing as happiness. They're completely different. So let's talk about happiness for a second. Happiness is solely dependent on our circumstances. Happiness is solely dependent on our circumstances. It's what's going on around us. So let me paint this picture for you. I work at a place called the Epoch Dream Center, and we do eight-week sessions called Interest Hour for our students. Um, and what we do is we pick things that they might be interested in. There's a fishing club. Um, I've done Pokemon Club. I've done, um, what have I done? I don't even know. But we've done Sports Club. A lot of preparation goes into these Interest Hours, Art Club, and the kids choose what they want to join and what they want to do for an hour every week. We call it Interest Hour, right? And me and a girl I work with named Emma, we do what we call playground club, right? Takes no preparation. We just show up, we go play on the playground. It's the best thing ever, right? And so we're out there, we're playing football. We're throwing the football around. This, this kid that I love, he is awesome. He's catching the football. He's having a great time. He is so happy. He is kicking the soccer ball. Life is good, right? And then he sees these flowers, 
right? And there's these awesome flowers growing by the house. And he goes over and he picks the flower. And there's all these flowers around him that look exactly the same. But this is his flower. And he's holding on to the flower. And as soon as he picks it up, here comes the soccer ball. And it hits his flower. And his flower breaks in half. And guess what happened next? He lost it. He was on the ground, rolling around, crying, saying how life isn't fair. Why me? I mean, he was screaming, why me? And I'm trying to explain to him, Colton, it's just a flower. Right? That's what I want to say. But thank goodness for, for my other coworker. Um, you all might know her, Marcy Dis Bennett. She comes over. And she loves him, and she starts explaining how flowers work and how it's going to bloom again, and there's going to be other flowers he can pick. And, you know, but in me, I'm like, it's just a flower. Get off the ground, right? And it's funny, but his happiness was completely dependent on what was going on around him. His happiness was way up here, and then all of a sudden it was way down here. And it's funny, but I think we do the same thing. It just looks a little bit different now. And I'll tell you what, when I'm getting ready to preach about joy, the enemy is going to do everything he can to kind of steal my joy this week. And one of those things, I was already frustrated. And how many know, if you're already frustrated, the thing to do to wind down is not to go play golf. Right? <laughs> Pastor JT and I went and played golf yesterday and started off the first tee, perfect shot, right down the fairway. I was like, all right, it's going to be a good day. It was not a good day. All right? And about probably hole number five, I mean, I'm ready to break the club in half, throw it, right? And now I remember how expensive they were, and I was like, they can't do that. But around hole number five, we're like, we're just thinking, we're like, man, I'm appreciative about joy tomorrow. He's just trying to steal my joy. And then on cue, Pastor JT hits a line drive right into the trees about 50 feet from us and knocks the tree, right? And it bounces all the way back to us. But when he knocks that tree... I am not even lying. A bald eagle flies out of, that tree, out of that tree and across the fairway. And we're like, he's just trying to tell us something. Right? The enemy is not going to steal my joy based off of how I'm playing golf today. Right? If that was the case, I'd be in a bad mood quite often, to be honest here. But it looks different for all of us. Right? Come on. Some of y'all wake up and it's raining outside and you're having a bad day already. Right? Some of y'all are going to go to a restaurant after church, they're going to get your order wrong, and it's over. The whole day is gone. Don't even get me started about traffic, right? I'm barely saved when I'm in traffic, right? When that person in front of me is going 10 miles per hour underneath the speed, under the speed limit, and then they pull up to a red light and it turns green and they don't see it, whoo, right? Anybody else? My joy goes pretty quick, or my happiness goes pretty quick. Up and down, right? Your coworker's attitude towards you controls the trajectory of the rest of your day, right? Right? The, the, the story about the, the kid at Epoch is funny, but we do the same thing. We let our circumstances determine the trajectory of our whole day sometimes, right? But we can't let the external circumstances determine it. Because when we let the external circumstances determine it, when we go for happiness, we give up control and we give it to everybody else. Here, take my happiness and do what you want with it. Take my attitude, take my mood, and do what you want with it. That's what happens when we pursue happiness. But let me tell you something. Jesus said he's got something different for you. 
He didn't come to bring you happiness. He didn't say, you're going to be filled with my happiness. Your happiness is going to overflow. Jesus has got something better. Jesus has got something greater. Jesus has something that's going to ground you. Jesus has something that's going to anchor you. Jesus has something that is going to go above and beyond, and that is joy. So let's talk about joy, because this is what we're here for. Look what joy did for Jesus in Hebrews chapter 12. It said, because of joy, he endured the cross. Disregarding its shame, now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Because of what? Because of joy. Joy kept Jesus on the cross. Right? Joy gave Jesus strength on the cross. It wasn't his almighty power. It wasn't the rest of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience. Well, joy was in there. Joy. Joy gave him the strength. And so what's going to give you your strength? It's not the job promotion. It's not the new iPhone or the new Tesla or the being the most popular person in the neighborhood or having the greatest job or having your kids do exactly how you want to do. It's joy. Joy is going to give us our strength. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Come on. So what, I think we need to redefine how we think of joy. Joy is not happiness, and I also think that the Webster's Dictionary does a terrible job of defining joy. And so I found a different definition. And this comes from Michael Todd. Michael Todd said, joy is a supernatural delight in the person, purpose, plan, placement, provision, and people of God. Say that five times fast. Joy is a supernatural delight in the person, purpose, plan, placement, provision, and people of God. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter how many likes I get on Instagram or how many Facebook comments I get or how much I'm getting paid. It doesn't matter because joy is not a feeling. Joy is a posture. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a posture. It's having a fixed perspective on Jesus, right? It's not saying I'm ignoring the circumstances around me. I'm aware of the circumstances around me, but it's not my focus. My focus is fixed. My focus is on something immovable. My focus is on something that's never changing. My focus is on the never-changing, immovable grace, mercy, and love of Jesus Christ. And because of that, I can have a posture of joy. But joy is a two-part posture, a two-part posture. And the first part of that posture is gratitude. Gratitude is the first part of that posture. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says this, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Gratitude. Yo, we have got to stop focusing on what we don't have and focus on what God clearly has given in front of us. You know, the thief of joy is comparison. Comparison is the thief of joy, right? I lived my whole life, all my high school, in the college, comparing myself to one person, and that was not Jesus. And he knows who he is. I spent my whole entire high school career comparing myself to Pastor JT. And come to find out, we talked about in college, he was like, I spent my whole time comparing myself to you. And it was the thief of joy. This is what happens. We get a brand new car, and we're so thankful and we're grateful. 
But then we see our neighbor has one that's just a little bit nicer. Steals our joy. Man, I've been killing it. I've been working out. I've been, I've been eating healthy. I've been losing some pounds. And then you see that person post on Facebook, and you're like, we started at the same time, and they're a little bit lighter than I am now, right? We start to compare, and we start to get our joy sucked from us. I'll tell you what, something that's going to steal your joy faster than anything else is this right here. If you want to lose your joy, open up Facebook. If you want to lose your joy, scroll through Twitter. It'll happen real quick. But gratitude doesn't come natural. I hate to break it to you. Gratitude does not come natural. I don't, I don't know how many of us, there, there are some of you out there that are really good at this. I'm not very good at this. That when something bad happens or when something doesn't go my way, my first response is, God, thank you. Thank you for what you've given me. It's just not natural. So if it's not natural, it has to be intentional. And there will be seasons in your life where this is going to be harder, where it's going to seem like you don't have as much. It's going to seem like you don't have as much to be grateful for. But in those times when we choose gratitude anyway, it will produce joy. You have something to be grateful for. You do. You just got to look for it. But the attitude of gratitude can't stay there. It's got to become an action. And so this is my challenge to you. Tell somebody you're grateful for them. Tell God you're grateful for that thing that's in your life. Make gratitude in action, right? And here at Love Church, we want to model this. We want to model this for you. We got a lot to be grateful for. And one of those things is our dream team. Can we give it up for our dream team? Come on. This is not possible without our dream team. None of this is possible. And we are so incredibly grateful for everything they do. They get here early. They set up. They pray for us. Man, I don't know how many text messages I got this week from dream teamers that are just like, hey, I'm praying for you. Hey, that, that's where that extra strength came from. I know it because they were praying for me. And so this is what we want to do. If you're on our dream team, you're going to get a text message this week. And it's going to have a code. And you can go to Starbucks, scan that code, and you can get whatever you drink you want. And it's just going to bill me. Just kidding. It's not going to bill me because I remember last time we did this. You all make me go broke. But you're going to get a code. Scan it. And it's going to charge us. Get whatever you want because we're grateful. We're grateful for you. And if we can do one small thing to just show we're grateful, go buy yourself a free coffee on us. So be looking for that text message this week. It's going to come to your phone. And, hey, if you're not a part of our dream team, join the dream team. There's my shout out. There, there's the plug right there, right? The June, we're going to start a new class. You can join the dream team. It's going to be awesome. We're grateful for all of you. But we really wanted to shout out our dream team because we are grateful for you. Um, gratitude cannot stay in attitude. It's got to be in action. And so... Joy is a two-part posture. The second part of this two-part posture, joy is a posture in life that says, and it's simple, God's got it, and I trust him. God's got it, and I trust him. Say, say it with me. And even if you're online, you're sitting in your living room, you're sitting at the ballpark, go ahead and mutter it under your breath, because I know you don't, you're not going to do it way out loud. Go ahead and say it under your breath. Say, God's got it, and I trust him. Come on, say it with me. God's got it, and I trust him. God's got it, and I trust him. Come on, someone give me a beat. I can't do it. You know I'm white, and I'm not on the worship team. God's got it, and I trust him. God's got it, and I trust him. 
God's got it, and I trust him. Come on. I know it's simple, and it might be too simple to be up on stage and say it, but that's all I got this morning. That joy is a posture that says God's got it, and I trust him. It doesn't matter what comes my way. My focus is on something immovable. My perspective on something that never changes. And so when things don't go my way at work, God's got it, and I trust him. I choose joy. When that vacation time that I really needed didn't get approved, God's got it, and I trust him. I choose joy. When you're sitting at that traffic light and the person that you've been behind for 10 minutes that has been going 10 under the speed limit and it turns green and, and, and they don't see it and they don't go, God's got it, and I trust him. I choose joy. When your kid is lost and you don't know if they're ever going to come back, you don't even know what they believe anymore, God's got it, and I trust him. I choose joy. When they're gossiping behind your back about something you didn't even do, God's got it, and I trust him. When a family member has cancer and you've already seen too many family members be lost to it, and it doesn't seem like there's any hope. God's got it, and I trust him. It's the posture of joy. Put in your own circumstance, whatever the circumstance that might come, whatever it is you're dealing with, put in your own thing, make it personal. I choose joy this morning because God's got it, and I trust him. Are my feelings hurt? Yeah. Am I struggling? Yeah. Am I ticked off? Yeah. Is my happiness going up and down a little bit? Yeah. But God's got it. And I trust him. I choose joy. I choose joy. Earlier we read John chapter 15. It says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. That's Jesus talking. He says, I have told you these things. But what things did he tell us, right? I don't know if you picked up on that, but I skipped that part in the beginning. We're coming back to it. Earlier in John chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. He says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Where does our joy come from? Where does this overflow come from? Jesus says, remain in me. He says it over and over again throughout the whole passage before he says that. Remain in me. And your joy will overflow. You know, I think God wants our joy to overflow. But I think that some of us, are waiting for God to come in like a holy SWAT team, right? You, you want him to come in and be like, I am God, El Shaddai. <laughs> right? That's what we want God to do sometimes, but that, that's not what God does. He, he will do it. He can do it. But this is what Revelation says. He says he stands at the door and he knocks. And when someone knocks at a door, they wait for you to let him in. 
You want joy? Let him in and remain in him. Jesus says, remain in me. I feel like what he's asking this morning is, how do you expect to produce fruit if you don't stay planted? How do you expect to produce fruit if you don't stay planted? Do me this favor this afternoon. Go home and plant a garden. And then in a couple weeks, you're going to see some green stuff popping out of the ground. Go ahead and pull that up. And then come back and let me know how much fruit you get from that plant. We want the fruit, but we don't want to stay planted. Jesus is saying, remain in me. If you remain in me, you're going to produce fruit. What fruit? Joy. Great joy. Overflowing joy. So how do we stay planted? How do we remain in him? I have two really easy ways as I finish up this morning. And worship team, you can join me up here this morning. Two easy ways that we can remain in him. The first one is praise. And I don't need to, to re-go over that because Pastor Drew did a great job last week doing that. Go back and listen to week, uh, Choose Joy week one and listen to Pastor Drew talk about praise and how, and how praise brings joy. We remain in him by praying, by, by praising. And number two, real simple, is read your Bible. <laughs> it's real simple. Read your Bible. Guys, the Bible is how we're fed. The Bible is how we're fed. It's how we get filled. And how many of you know it's hard to be joyful when you're hungry? Anybody else get hungry and they get a little hangry? Come on, wives are nudging their husbands, right? Me too. Ask my wife. I get a little bit hangry sometimes. It's hard to be joyful when you're hungry. You guys remember those old Snickers commercials? You're not you when you're hungry, right? You, you got, you got a, a young lady who's sitting in a car with her friends, and then they look back, and she's, all, she's, she's this, this old grumpy guy sitting in the back seat, and she's, she's nagging him, and she's angry, and they hand her a Snickers bar, and they say, hey, eat this. You're not you when you're hungry. She takes a bite, and she's back to her old self, right? You guys remember those commercials? You're not you when you're hungry. And it's hard to be joyful when you're spiritually hungry. It's hard to be joyful when you're not in your word. But here's the thing. The enemy has, has gotten us to believe that it's normal. The enemy has gotten us to believe that how hungry you are is normal. And this is, I think, what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this morning. You're so malnourished that you believe it's normal. You're so malnourished of the word, you believe it's normal. But this is what Jeremiah says. In Jeremiah chapter 15, it said, he said, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. Anybody else get home from a long day at work and that perfect meal was just there? Or you get that idea for that perfect Chick-fil-A meal and you just devour it? Jeremiah is saying, when I discovered your words... I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight. They are my joy and my heart's delight. You know, the, the Snickers tagline is Snickers, it satisfies. 
But God's word, it satisfies. Jesus, he satisfies. You're looking for joy? I've got it. I know where to find it. But you've got to choose him. You've got to let him in. And he says, remain in me. And you will have joy that overflows. Jesus, he satisfies. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this day. God, this morning we choose joy. God, this morning we choose to say, you've got it. And I trust you. God, this morning we choose to take a posture of gratitude. God, this morning, God, I know there are a lot of situations in this room. God, that there's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of kids that are not acting the way that their parents might want. There's a lot of job situations. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of sickness. But God, thank you in the midst of all that. We can choose joy. God, we choose joy this morning. And before we leave here today, I believe there's some people in this room that are like, man, I need that joy. I've been, I've been far from God for a long time, and I can feel it. I didn't know I was malnourished for that long. And this morning, I want to give you a chance to let him back in. He's standing at the door, and he's knocking. Will you let him in this morning? And so in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to make that decision. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if that's you. I'm not going to call you up. I'm not going to embarrass you. But Jesus came for you. He said, he said, I came to bring you life and life to the full. He wants to bring you joy. He wants your joy to be overflowing. Your happiness might go up and down, side to side. But your joy will keep you anchored. And that joy is me. So if you're here this morning and you say, I'm far from God, but I want to be close to him. I'm far from God, but I need that joy. I'm going to ask that you raise your hand this morning. So if that's you, go ahead and raise your hand in the air this morning so I know who I'm praying for. And we're going to pray together as a church this prayer. I saw your hand. Repeat after me. If that's you, repeat after me as a church. We're going to pray together. Say, Jesus, thank you. I choose joy because I trust you. I've been far from you, but I want to be close. I choose you today. I give my life to you. Take it. Do with it what you want. Thank you for dying for me. You can have it all. Amen.